Welcome to the Botched Finish Podcast. Enjoy the following honest conversation about wrestling for people you'd want to watch wrestling with. And now your host. Hey everyone, Lopaki here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Undercard. It's a brand new weekly show from the Botch Finish Pod where we're going to take a look at the world of wrestling going on in companies outside of AEW and WWE. I'll be your weekly host, Lopaki. Uh, on the other end of this break, you can expect a lot of great information about New Japan, Major League Wrestling, Ring of Honor, uh, NWA Impact, and you know, everything in between. I hope you enjoy it, and as always, please like, comment, review, reply anything at all man we appreciate the support All right, so getting back to the show here, uh, getting started with the undercard. Just again, I want to let you guys know that this is the very first episode. Uh, Never done this before, but it is, again, something I'm hoping you can look forward to starting on uh, Wednesday nights, Thursday mornings this week, and every week from here on out until the foreseeable future. (laughs) Anyway, getting to it, though, I want to touch on Japan, New Japan. Uh, The NJPW World Tag League is in effect. It's been uh, going on, I believe, we're through the first three nights now for those not familiar with the new japan um kind of calendar they have major tournaments throughout the year the g1 uh, the new japan cup uh, best of super juniors things like that and it's a it's always a big deal with them if if you look at american wrestling like the big pay-per-views royal rumble wrestlemania whatnot same type of deal in japan only it's more of a tournament style now the way the tournament works is it's a round robin style um this particular world tag league has 16 entrant entrants so it's 16 different tag teams they uh they'll wrestle each other each time they wrestle the winner will come home with two points the loser gets none and if there's a draw then they'll split the two points and each team will get one Okay. Uh, we are again through the first three nights of competition. Um, what's going on here is it happens to be the last big tournament New Japan's doing before the Wrestle Kingdom show, which is their WrestleMania. It's the big blow off show they do every year in the Tokyo Dome. And honestly, for the last few years, it's been, it's been worth watching. It's actually what got me into watching New Japan not too long ago. But, um, getting to the actual tournament, I want to take a moment and I want to highlight or talk about a couple of the, the the major players so far now again this is a longer tournament um again we're just through the first three nights there are going to be many uh, matches yet to come as of now though we do have um well most teams are through about four matches and after four matches what we're left with at the top is we have four teams all super intriguing have have some real potential there just to kind of run them down we have the chaos squad of tomohiro ishii and yoshihashi we have the newly reformed fin juice which by the way guys probably need a new name not gonna lie but i do love me some david finley and juice robinson um david finley just came back from uh, from a lengthy injury um getting kind of his wrestling legs back under him and this is a great opportunity working in the ring with juice who he's comfortable with for him to to really uh, you know get back on the bike 
so to speak. Um, great tag team. Uh, moving on, though, those are the top two. We also have Toru Yanu and Colt Cabana. <laughs> now, uh, for those familiar with their work style, both Cabana and Yano are, are really uh, famous or well-known for being a more comedic or, or you know, funny, ha-ha type of wrestling. And when you put them to those two on a tag team, uh, dude, it's been pretty entertaining. Um, the thing with them, though, is is as 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 much as you want to laugh at them, both guys are are very legitimate, accomplished, you know, technicians in the ring. So there's only eh, there's only so much there's giggling you're gonna do at their expense. But um, they've been very entertaining to watch. Now, just to kind of round out the top four, the uh, the last team um, currently in the four spot is uh, the Los Ingrenables uh, de Japan uh, team of Evil and Sonata. Now, I'm never going to say that again. Los Ingrenables de Japón. <laughs> I don't know how to say it from now on. It's just L.I.J., but the L.I.J. LIJ team of Evil and Sonata looking very, very strong. They happen to be defending two-time World Tag League champs. So, yeah, they're going for the three-peat. Um, I've... I've posted about these guys, I've talked about them a little bit, but I just want to take this moment to talk about how great Evil and Sonata are. Like, these two guys, every time you watch them, you're becoming bigger fans. Um, they they are arguably the biggest, most popular, most successful tag team in Japan, but what I think is crazy is when you know I look at them, I get this impression that both of those guys are just scratching the surface like yeah they may be the biggest tag team in japan but i get you know the real um you know concrete feeling that if if given the right opportunity, either one of them would be able to become a super popular single star, whether that's in Japan or, you know, here in the States or whatnot. Um, I mentioned that because there's been a lot of reports recently that WWE is in interested in Sonata in particular. He is a, a younger wrestler. He's really starting to find his... his um, his, his groove, so to speak, with, with the Japanese fans are starting to get behind him. Him and Okada had some of the, the biggest singles matches of the second part of the, the New Japan calendar this year. So, you know, really, really big things going um, for both those guys. Uh, just be, before we move on, again, those are the top teams. Um, Ishii and Yoshihashi, uh, Finley and Robinson, Yano and Cabana, they're all at, tied at, at the top with six points apiece, so that's three wins, one loss. Evil and Sonata hasn't, haven't wrestled as much as the other guys, so they are undefeated, but they've only been in two matches. So right now they're at four points, and that puts them in fourth place. A few other teams that you're going to want to, if you do get a chance to check it out, and I do recommend it, but a few other teams you're, you're going to want to kind of peek at here. Just going to run them down. We have multiple Bullet Club teams in here. We have the Gorillas of Destiny. That's uh, Tamatanga and Tangaloa. They are, in fact, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Champions. The winners of this tournament will be getting a shot at those tag team championships, most likely at Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, really, really important to keep an eye on them. They are the champs, and they are one of the best hands-down tag teams in the world. So, um, rounding out the other Bullet Club stable, though, we do also have B Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens in the team, and then we have the Bullet Club Japan team of Kenta, formerly known as Hideo Itami, and Yujiro Takahashi, who is, up until recently, the only Japanese member of, uh, of the Bullet Club. But, 
you know those those are teams with faces that you you may act you may recognize um a few other ones you want i kind of want to throw out there we do have lance archer um he's uh, formerly known as vance archer with the wwe he's in the tournament wrestling with minoru suzuki who's the head of suzuki goon a really big time uh heel wrestler in japan they have a team going uh hiroshi tanahashi's in the in the tournament um so he's going to be worth watching there's just a lot of really good stuff to see here so if you get a chance i recommend checking out the new japan world tag league we still have quite a few nights to get through i i don't have the date offhand but i can tell you that the first um new japan world tag league english uh commentary broadcasts aren't until actually next month but that'll be towards the end of the tournament and so those will be the big time matches when we things have shaken out and we really know um you know what it's going to look like heading towards wrestle kingdom a okay. uh, couple of other New Japan notes here. Um, while we're talking about wrestling or Wrestle Kingdom, I wanted to bring up uh, two really well-known AEW wrestlers. So I want to talk about Jericho and I want to talk about John Moxley. The reason is is because because both Jericho and John Moxley are currently rumored. Well, actually, with Jericho, it's not a rumor. I believe that's set. But both of them are are likely going to be in the Wrestle Kingdom show uh, later on this year in Tokyo. Now, the thing with that is, is Moxley especially is in kind of a unique situation because he actually held the uh, new uh, the the New Japan U.S. Uh, Heavyweight Championship um, for a good part of this year. In fact, he never actually lost it. It was one of the first things he did after he left WWE was get into the G1. Um, and the lead up to that is kind of where he picked that belt up to to legitimize him to a certain extent. And then instead of um, going back for King of Pro Wrestling to wrestle Juice Robinson for it because of the whole typhoon situation, you know, he wasn't able to make it to Japan, so Lance Archer stepped in, and so, and I will tell you, that's actually not a bad match, I am a personally a Lance Archer fan, uh, I'm much more of a fan of him now, after this year's G1 though, so um, really kind of led him to, to get the momentum necessary to be put in that spot with Juice Robinson at King of Pro Wrestling, and he is indeed the U.S heavyweight champion now so you know there's a there's a lot of kind of question marks there because we never really got the blow-off match between moxley and juice and so you know smart money is that moxley if he does do wrestle kingdom is fact of the matter is is juice is now in kind of this angle over the belt with with archer so personally, I'll tell you right now that if it comes out and I get a triple threat match with John Moxley, Juice Robinson, and Lance Archer at Wrestle Kingdom, no matter which night it's on, I'm sold. <laughs> like that's gonna be that's gonna be worth watching. So um, kind of interesting there to see if Moxley gets to make it back to Japan. He was super over with their crowds. You know, he was a a major draw. Had a, brought a lot of attention, a lot of eyes to the product this year, and and I feel like. You know, I feel like there's still uh, some stones unturned there, some some business unfinished for Moxley. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Now moving on to Jericho. Jericho's uh, well, it's no secret, man. Jericho's gone through a renaissance in in his career lately, um, and, and part of that, maybe even the start of that, depending on who you ask, is him agreeing to start working with New Japan. 
This Wrestle Kingdom won't be Jericho's first. I believe it'll be his third. Be his third Wrestle Kingdom. Okay? And he is currently contracted to wrestle Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, that's a name I can tell you as a wrestling fan I'd heard for a long time before I started watching New Japan. as uh, And I heard his name mentioned with some of the best in the world. And, and that is the only way you can really characterize him, especially for the Japanese audience. He Hiroshi Tanahashi is, you know, John Cena and The Rock rolled into one. You know, he, he is the guy. They call him the ace of the company, which is essentially like the face of the company. So, he... Is wrestling Chris Jericho? Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, I know that there's quite a few people out in the world talking about how big that dream match is. Um, it's, it, it'll be great. I, I know that maybe it's coming a little later than, than we all wanted, but you know, those two guys are pros. Those two guys are legends, and those two guys are going to have the... the you know, the biggest stage on the biggest night in Japanese wrestling to, to play with. And and I don't believe we're going to be disappointed. I would bet money that it'll be amazing. So, you know, that's something I'm looking forward to catching. Just wanted to make sure, you know, I kind of I kind of put it out there. Wrestle Kingdom. It's a Chris Jericho Hiroshi Tanahashi dream match. Um, all right. So a few last uh, New Japan notes here. I wanted to talk. Uh, briefly about the New Japan of America. Now, this was a report that came out recently. Um, New Japan and JPW, they have a uh, training uh, compound in L.A. That, called the L.A. Dojo. Now, just, uh, I want to say about a month ago, maybe a little bit longer, they announced that they are expanding their footprint here in North America, and what they're going to do is they're going to expand their operations out of the dojo, and they started a kind of a, a, a branch of their company called New Japan of America, okay? Now, what's important here is the whole goal with, with New Japan of America is to bring the New Japan product and style and put it in front of more eyes. Essentially, put it in front of more American fans. I mean, they've been doing shows here for, for a few years now. You know, they do a, you know, Madison Square Garden. They did a, a show in Dallas. They, you know, go to the West Coast a lot. Um, but it's, it, it's always up to this point been, um, you know, people from Japan coming over here, working a, a tour, and then, um, you know, going back. Whereas what they're trying to do now with New Japan of America is simply kind of just build a base here. You know, wrestlers that will be based out of the U.S. And instead of having to share wrestlers going back and forth, depending on what tournament's up or where they're touring or whatnot, you know, we'll be able to essentially enjoy the, the wrestlers here while the wrestlers in Japan are, are um, you know, taking a break or kind of on a hiatus. So it should help to feel their or to fill their their calendar but um it's it's in its early infant stages um the first official new japan of america event actually happened earlier this month it was in um san jose it was the new japan showdown um now that the thing with that event though is that event was already planned advertised and tickets were being sold before new japan of america was founded so the the first, you know, purely New Japan of America event um, that they're going to put on has actually been announced. Um, what I'm looking at here is it's called New Japan Lions Pride Project 2. 
Don't know why they called it Project 2, but, you know, Japanese naming conventions, you gotta, you gotta cut them a break there, but, um, yeah, New Japan Lions Pride Project 2. Um, that's going to be the first, uh, New Japan of America branded and, and produced show. Um, the dates I have for that is, uh, December 7th and December 8th. Um, now as that show gets a little closer, we'll start talking about who's on the card. Um, as I understand it, they're still starting to come, or they're still announcing who will be there. Um, a couple of the, the names so far I know are you're gonna have Rocky Romero, you're gonna have, um, some Bullet Club members and El Phantasmo and Ishimori, but, uh, Ishimori, sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're still, uh, filling out that card. So, uh, keep an eye out. Uh, I can't wait to watch it personally. I think it'll be fantastic to have, uh, more of a New Japan influence here for the American fan and just to have more access to that is amazing. You know, there wasn't too long ago that the only time you got to watch New Japan was when you, you know, went to a certain video store, rented it, or found someone who had it and traded them for it, or, you know, now you can get the app, you can start going to shows that New Japan America puts on, like, it, it's gonna be cool, and, and I personally can't wait for it. So, uh, that, that'll pretty much do it for New Japan. Um, again, I can tell you guys, while I am a huge fan of the, of the NJPW product, I am still somewhat newer to the whole thing. So if you have any, any, you know, feedback or comments, please don't be shy. Shoot it my way. I'm more than happy to, you know, kind of look into it. Any matches maybe you recommend watching from New Japan, let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to take a look. Uh, Getting uh getting back to the uh, the American wrestling though, <laughs> we have a we have a few things to talk about. Um, I'm gonna start here in Impact, because Impact has for what feels like a lifetime now been such a start and stop like polarizing promotion. You know, for so many years you felt like. Like, they would just shoot themselves in the foot. You know, one step forward, two steps back type of deal. And this last year, at least from what I've been able to see, is that seemed to start to change. You know, we put together a, a number of successful pay-per-views in a row. Um, we have, and then on top of that, they were able to, you know, thanks to the purchase of, of Anthem, they were able to... Um, get a, a weekly cable television slot on Access TV. Now, I have... Uh, granted, I, I'm still kind of getting back into the Impact product. It wasn't something that I continually, you know, uh, followed for for a good period. But from what I have seen since they have been back and they have been given the the weekly platform on Access TV, it's been pretty good. Like, honestly, it's, it's not, it, it is, it is an enjoyable product. Um, there are a few things though that, well, there are, are a few things though that I understand fans, myself included on, on some levels are still trying to, to get over, so to speak. I mean, so there's, um, it's one of those things I think is flying under the radar. Not a lot of people are talking about it. It isn't getting a bunch of buzz, but each week Impact is doing some of the most interesting stuff on wrestling television. Um, they're just this last week, while we're talking about it, Tessa Blanchard uh, officially won an elimination challenge match and was named the world title contender for their upcoming show, Hard to Kill. Now, let me repeat that. Tessa Blanchard, the women wrestler or women's wrestler extraordinaire, is the number one contender for the men's world championship 
at a pay-per-view. Yeah, that that happened, and that happened at Impact. Like, that's something that a lot of people aren't... And I'm not talking about intergender wrestling in particular, but I'm talking about, you know, maybe trying a few things outside the box. And honestly, that's pretty much what they need to do. It, it's a crowded market for the wrestling fan right now, especially the American wrestling fan. So in order to really take a step out from that pack, I think Impact's on the right track. You know, they really want to be trying to do something different. So, you know, kudos to them. I do hope it, it continues to go well. I'm looking forward personally to watching Access TV next Tuesday and catching it. And then furthermore, I'm thinking I'm going to catch the Hard to Kill pay-per-view. And I have a date on that. Looks like it's uh, oh, January 20th. So it's still a little ways out. Gives us a lot of time to, to build those matches. Tessa especially. I mean, that is a, a his, historic, you know, ground-breaking event for the world of wrestling so be worth checking out um impact in general i feel is really starting to get some momentum behind it though so and just in general it's worth checking out um one thing i want to talk about actually while we're talking about next thursday uh impact actually announced something really interesting i know some fans are kind of burying it not not a huge fan but i personally love it next week impact is doing a throwback show kind of like how wwe likes to do those classic raws and all that every once in a while well impact next week is actually going to be transformed into the impact provincial wrestling federation and what they're going to do is they're actually going to put on like a like late 80s, early 90s style um, show. So I imagine we're going to have like, you know, 90s style, uh, you know, uh, graphics and transitions and crazy hair. Probably going to see leg warmers, things like that. And And personally, I think it'll be funny. I think it'll be great to watch. And again, kind of helps them with the, hey, we're different. You know, that that's really going to help them get there. Um, so really cool thing to check out. If if you're wanting to check out Impact next week, maybe the way to, week to do it, since it is kind of a special one-off type of deal. You don't need to know who's who. You don't need to know what the storylines are. In fact, it probably wouldn't even help because everyone's names changed. They're all, they're all taking some, like, you know, old backcountry wrestling, like, gimmick names. Like, uh, for instance, Eddie Edwards is, the rough and tumble cowboy colt mccoy and then we have willie mack who's going to be downtown daddy brown we have <laughs> oh, uh sorry there's there's more there's so many um we have the suplex sultan gama singh we have ethan page who'll be wrestling as julian cumberbun um we have the, my favorite one though is actually rich swan i just gotta find it because i don't want to mess it up we have uh Rip Razor, who's Ace Austin, who will be wrestling Pizza Boy Pugilist Rapid Delivery Pete. <laughs> so, I think that's funny. I think it'll be entertaining. I'm personally looking forward to seeing all the, you know, goofy stuff they pull out just to kind of, f f or, you know, add to that feel of a, you know, a late 80s, early 90s type of, type of show. Um, again, that's on Access TV Tuesday nights. And, you know, that's really about it for for Impact. A um, couple other things, though, before uh, we get too far ahead of it. There is actually one other thing with Impact I wanted to bring up. I know it's not quite, you know, super recent, but Joey Ryan is a contracted um, 
impact wrestler and i know that there's been a lot and it just comes to the territory being joy ryan but there's been a lot of controversy surrounding him um for a good part of his career uh he is also included in the show um he's actually i believe going to be doing a he's going to be doing a talk segment they're going to be giving him a talk segment called the cockpit and i'll just let that just let that sit there but uh yeah he's he's been a he's been a a pretty notable addition to that roster um him and ken shamrock yeah hall of fame you know ken shamrock from the attitude era they actually had a match recently was his first big match in impact and uh, you may have seen a clip or two so just kind of want to throw it out there if you're joey ryan fans um and and and, you know no shame in that uh he is a a part of that show and and i feel like that's also something that kind of fell under the radar recently okay uh so uh, moving on, uh, I'm going to touch on Ring of Honor here briefly. And the reason I say briefly is because, you know, they... Well, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement on the Ring of Honor front lately. Ever since the kind of the, the summer uh, showdown or summer super show, I can't remember what it was called, kind of fell flat over SummerSlam weekend, it honestly is... Uh, there's been an impression that kind of Ring of Honor is... Um, Taking a, or taking a step back, kind of re- reassessing a few things is, is kind of the the feeling. But um, that doesn't change that they do have a final battle coming up. It's the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view of the year. Uh, the date on that is December 13th. I uh, just want to throw out right now, confirmed on the card, we have... Uh, looks like the Briscoes are going to be in action. We have Bully Ray is, is going to get back in the ring. Jay Lethal, John, Jonathan Gresham are working on the card. And then we have Roosh right there at the top, the Ring of Honor World Champion, um, formerly of CMM, CMLL fame. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that is coming up. That's the Ring of Honor final, ba- uh, final battle, December 13th. Uh, the other Ring of Honor note I, I want to bring up is, uh, m- well, one concerning the founder and proprietor of Villain Enterprises. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. It's Marty Skrull. And the reason I'm talking about him is because reports are he's officially a free agent. In fact, no, I take it back. Reports are is he was a free agent and he's actually been signed by a major company that they're keeping under wraps for a minute. Now, if you want to look into it, by all means, go ahead. Uh, right now, I feel like that's more rumor than anything. But what's not rumor is Marty Skrull is a a must-see, must-have, like, elite free agent. Okay, Any promotion that's lucky enough to sign him to an exclusive deal um, now it will not regret it. He's going to be a big part of whatever promotion he ends up in and he rightfully should you know if you take a look at the the talent on the quote-unquote indie wrestling scene marty scrolls are marty scrolls right at the top like he he's charismatic he can work in ring he has a an established character he's a, he's able to get other people over like he is going to be a great addition wherever he does land um and just want to get it out there apparently it's official that he's in the market and he is going to be uh, likely signing and debuting for a different uh, U.S. or North American wrestling company here in the near future. All right, so uh, that's about it for Ring of Honor. 
Um, getting into to another promotion here, uh, I gotta be honest with you, this is my, kind of like my guilty pleasure promotion or show to watch of the week. I just feel like they, so much of what they're doing is headed in the right direction. I feel like so many of the people I get to watch are people that I either have wanted to watch before, or I, I either have wanted to watch but couldn't find, or didn't know I wanted to watch. And, and I'm talking about Major League Wrestling or MLW. MLW has some real world-class talent there. Um, you know, they have names you'll recognize, but more than that, they have, you know, some some guys that I feel, girl too, um, that I feel could really, you know, really make an impact in the business, okay? Um, the person I'm thinking of right at the top is Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu, who is of the Samoan dynasty um, family, he's uh, Rikishi's nephew, so it makes him first cousins with the Usos. He's currently the Major League Wrestling World Champ, um, and the guy's like, <sighs> one, he's hard to explain <laughs> because of the amount of athleticism he has in in that frame, being as big and as stocky and as you know as, as Samoan as as you know as he is. His finisher is a uh, triple jump moonsault, where you jump up onto the second rope, up onto the uh, up onto the top rope, and then you do a moonsault off the top rope. I mean, that's a move that cruiserweights do. And a lot of times cruiserweights can mess up, but this guy who's 300 pounds and looks like a complete Samoan beast can do it. And he can, he, he can do it perfectly every time the dude you know he's he's a safe worker he's not only athletic he's strong he has the right look he has a pedigree that most people would you know die for you know being part of the Samoan dynasty and you know for far too many fans I feel like they're just not aware of of how good he is now, I know I've talked about, you know, Jake or Jacob Fatu, uh, you know, in detail there, but that pretty much expands to the whole MLW roster. When you take a look at that roster, there is legitimate talent pretty much everywhere. MJF came from that promotion. The same MJF that's lighting the wrestling world on fire on Wednesday nights is contracted to MLW. In fact, he's going to be wrestling for them here, likely this week. I know he's on one of their next big events. Okay. In addition to him, we have um, Ross and Marshall Von Erich. Yeah, the Von Erichs. They're still going. In fact, the newest generation of Von Erichs, who's uh, Kevin's sons, they are, well, they, they have star potential pretty much just dripping off of them. I mean, they have the look. They have the name. They're super athletic. From what I can see, they're trained well. They they you know they know how to work in the ring. Maybe a little inexperienced, but you know they'll get there. Especially with the type of influences that that you know, or the type of influences that because of their name they could probably be probably get around. You know, Kevin, their dad makes a few calls and gets them into a few places to get you know some more experience there. And these guys are. You know, these guys are, are a lot closer to being one of the best tag teams going than anyone realizes. So, definitely worth watching there. Um, I haven't even talked about the Heart Foundation or, you know, there's just, there's so much going on there. It, it was, for me, a, a pleasant surprise when, when I gave it some attention. 
Um, while we're talking about the roster, though, I do want to talk about some recent changes to MLW. Um, first, Jacob Fatu. He has re-signed a, a contract with MLW. It's reported that it is a multi-year deal, exclusive deal. Um, so that's good. I mean, he's going to be... He can be the anchor for the top part of that card for you know as as long as they they will have him there. So I feel like that's really smart, especially when you take into consideration that one of their other top guys, one of their other top um, draws as a as a babyface, Tom Lawler or the filth or filthy Tom Lawler, um, isn't coming back. Actually, it's been reported and confirmed that he did not re-sign with MLW and the company. Now I believe he's going to be staying in the pro wrestling realm and you know trying to find maybe trying to find a spot with a bigger company or whatnot i don't know i haven't seen any confirmed reports about that but um it is something i wanted to bring up for those that are tom lawler fans he is um not long for the mlw roster so if you do want to see him there i recommend hopping on checking out fusion this weekend M mlw fusion that is that's their weekly show um, but more than that, we you know we do have some some really interesting signings. Not only do we have Jacob Fatu's re-signing, but lose one MMA star and gain another. Because <laughs> MLW, in the same week that they announced Jacob Fatu and they announced Tom Lawler, they also announced that they have an exclusive pro wrestling deal with MMA fighter King Mo. Yeah, that King Mo of Bellator fame. That guy. <laughs> he is a contracted MLW fighter. I understand that he's actually had his in-ring debut there, but I haven't been able to catch it quite yet, so I'm not quite sure how comfortable he is in the ring or how much training he has or, or that, but you know, just at face value, if you take if you take into account, and I understand that for a lot of people, King Mo never really fulfilled his potential as an MMA fighter. But one thing Mo did do while he was an MMA is he did create and, and cultivate and introduce fans to a character that is tailor-made for wrestling. I think he has a ton of potential there. And if he takes to the actual in-ring work okay, and, and is able to put together you know, some skills and learn how to put together matches and, and whatnot, he has it. Like he, he could be it. You know what I mean? He he has a certain charisma that most MMA fighters transitioning into wrestling don't. You know, Ronda Rousey included. I know that she, if you want to look at recent memory, is probably the most, you know, um, successful transition. But, you know, even in MMA, she, she wasn't overly charismatic. I mean, she had, a, I suppose, a certain, you know, um, character that worked for her as, you know, the baddest you know, one in the yard, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a over the top type of deal, kind of like King Mo, so I'm interested to see where that goes, I, I do have high hopes for King Mo, I think he's a great athlete, and I think that transitioning into pro wrestling now for him is probably one of the better decisions he can make, not only from a health standpoint, but from a financial standpoint as well, so, um, now, uh, the last note for the MLW is I want to talk about something that has had my interest pretty much since it was announced, okay? And that is the MLW Opera Cup. <laughs> so what the Opera Cup is, is an, the Opera Cup is a trophy that was uh, won in a tournament um, held in um, 
or held in old wrestling territories way back in the 1960s. I want to say is the last time that it was handed out. And the last person to win it, this Opera Cup, was none other than Stu Hart. Yeah, that's Stu Hart. As in, you know, Brett Owen's dad, uh, Teddy's grandpa, Davy Boy Smith Jr. grandpa, like that guy. Like, he was the last one to hold it. And since then, it's literally apparently just sat on a shelf in the Hart Mansion. So, Teddy Hart took it off the shelf and decided, well, we're going to do something with it. <laughs> and what they're doing is MLW is restarting the tournament. They have a, an event coming up. I believe it's just called MLW Opera Cup. That's on December 5th. And they've announced three out of four first round matches. Okay, so those matches, by the way, let me just run down those names. Because it is, well, there's some star power there. And each one of the three that have been announced so far are Definite must-watches, but we have uh, Brian Pillman Jr., the Promised Prince, against uh, TJP in the one first-round match. We also have the aforementioned MJF wrestling one of his um, stable mates in the in the Dynasty faction that they have going. But it's MJF wrestling Hammerstone in one of the other first-round matches, and then the third one that's been announced is Davy Boy Smith Jr. wrestling Japanese re- legend Otani. Now. Those three matches just, you know, in and of themselves are are ones that you may turn tune into a card to see. Or, you know, you may try and catch at some point. But the fact that they're all three of them going to be together, we still have a fourth one that hasn't been announced all on the same night. Yeah, okay. You know, that's something that I, I could really enjoy on December 5th. You know, those, those, those names and those matches have guys that, one, I... You know, I'm fans of, or two, I believe more, or I believe um, I need to see more of before I can decide if I'm a fan, and so that's going to give me the opportunity. I um, just wanted to give you that date one more time. It's December 5th. It's the MLW Opera Cup. It's the next big event they have coming up, and uh, I don't, and I'm not going to miss it. So uh, if you check it out, let me know what you think, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a conversation from there. All right, so. Lastly, the last promotion I want to touch upon is one that, at least over the last 24 hours, has been quite the newsmaker, and that is the NWA, the newly reformed uh, Billy Corgan-led NWA. <laughs> so they, um, it's a funny story. The NWA has recently returned to studio-style wrestling. Okay, so that's where it's filmed all in one TV studio. The bleachers are off to one side. It's not really big. You can fit like you know, like 50 people in there. Um, they have the announcers and the promo desk set up right next to the ring. I mean, if you've ever seen old like NWA clips or Mid-South clips or Mid-Atlantic, like, like that's kind of what it is, right? So it's a very traditional wrestling presentation. Okay, they uh, relaunched that uh, about two months ago. Um, they're doing a weekly show called NWA Power, which is again, you know, really traditional style uh, studio wrestling. One of the commentators for this wrestling uh, show is was Jim Cornette. Now, uh, for 
now that makes sense. First off, let me tell you, if you're going to put together an old school style wrestling show, there's very few people that you'd want before Jim Cornette to be on the mic for you. There's just something about Jim Cornette and, you know, traditional wrestling that goes hand in hand. So kudos for them. I feel like that was, that was a smart move in a lot of ways, um, led to, well, led to credibility in a lot of, in a lot of fans eyes, but Jim Cornette, being Jim Cornette, you know, sometimes can get him and his company into into some hot water. And that's what happened last night. Last night, during the uh, NWA Power episode, the same NWA Power episode, by the way, which Melina debuted in, former WWE uh, women's wrestler Melina. Uh, Her debut, though, is getting overshadowed because... At a certain point in the broadcast, Jim Cornette made some racially insensitive remarks. Uh, now, I I posted about this on, on Twitter briefly to just kind of uh, give my thoughts. And, and I'm going to do it again here, but I just, I just want to start by saying I don't think Jim Cornette is a racist. Okay. In fact, on a lot of levels, I I like Jim Cornette. I appreciate and respect Jim Cornette. I mean, the man has a has a head and a mind for wrestling that is unparalleled in this world. But I also understand that the 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 world in which Jim Cornette found wrestling and and made his name and became famous and, and all of that is isn't the world that we're in today. And in fact, at certain points over wrestling's checkered history, the comments that he made last night on NWA Power would have been acceptable. And in fact, they I saw clips of them literally being said basically word for word, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago and you know, it was no one badder than I. Problem is, it's 2019. So, you know, there's there's such a risk when you're doing that traditional style of wrestling presentation to fall into a traditional style of wrestling thinking. And and while, you know, at times in its past, wrestling has relied on stereotypes and, and prejudices and all of that to help get its characters over, that's not the world we live in today. And, and I feel like Jim Cornette forgot that at a certain point during yesterday's episode. Okay. Now, that being said, I'm not apologizing for him. While I don't believe Jim Cornette is a racist, I do wholeheartedly believe that he said something very racially insensitive and incendiary. Now, in this situation, what's missing from well, Cornette's side is a little bit of understanding. I mean, this is a situation where I... like. Intent be damned if you didn't intend to offend anyone or if it wasn't meant maliciously. Like, you put that aside for a second and just understand that, you know, there was a large section of people that were offended by what was said. And an apology would probably go a long way and start there. Like, honestly, if we would have just had that, I imagine that most of the noise around this situation, we wouldn't have heard. So... You know, just want to get that out there. It's the most topical thing with NWA is the Jim Jim Cornette resigning because of the racially insensitive remarks on last night's episode of NWA Power. 
Okay, now that that's to bed, though, let me talk about Power, because that show is awesome. Like, that show is so different from anything going on right now, and it is really like a step back in time, and I know I personally want to see them maybe evolve a little bit with their look and their presentation to something a little more modern you know, stay true to the to the studio wrestling traditional roots but you know you can give us something a, a little more you know 2019 as opposed to 1979 but the six i believe it's six the six episodes that have been released so far have been great they have reintroduced not only that style of wrestling, but a number of wrestlers to a wider audience again. You know, there are guys that I've, I saw on NWA that I haven't seen in a long time. We're talking like uh, Aaron Stevens, otherwise known as Damian Sandow. Mr. Anderson, otherwise known as Mr. Kennedy. Uh, James Cowboy Storm, otherwise known as, well, James Cowboy Storm, because he's never changing his name. Like these guys, these guys are all guys for varying reasons at different parts in their their careers. I was a, a fan of, you know, I th I thought that these guys could work and they they could do some things and you know for varying reasons they weren't able to. But you know, I feel like that N NWA has really provided them a a home and and a, a vehicle, a platform for them to you know, display how good they are. And you know that's what's important. There is is it's a What's the way they like to put it? The NWA is a place for real men. That's how they like to put it. And basically what I took that to mean is the NWA is a place for established veteran talent. Guys like Aaron Stevens and guys like James Storm and guys like Trevor Murdoch, who, yeah, is back and wrestling in the NWA. You know, that that... That presentation and that company and the way they're booking things is going to be wonderful for guys like that. Okay, Now, on the flip side of things, they're also doing something that I think is, is so cool. And what it is, is it's called, and this was just announced a few days ago, but it's called the NWA Circle Squared. Okay, And so what that is, is they are also planning on producing a show very similar to power it's going to be a studio style wrestling show they're going to have the promo set they're going to do all that but the talent is all going to be unsigned independent talent so basically if you are a independent professional wrestler looking to reach a wider audience and would like to be on nwa you can there's actually just an application process. You have to fill out. You have to fill out some information. Send them a clip. You know all of this, and yeah, you could very soon be on NWA television. That's awesome. Like that is so cool. I I cannot remember a time where that was even something close to that was was a possibility. You know what I mean? So for them to to take the the uh, amount of attention and notoriety they've gained recently with the success of you know nwa as a company and then nwa power as a show and you know kind of spread uh, spread the love or share the wealth with some of the independent talent still out there scratching for work you know that's awesome to hear and, and i cannot wait to see what type of new talent i get to see as part of that whole nwa circle squared um you know project but Definitely something I'm going to be watching. Up until now, I've only gone to the NWA YouTube channel for power, but now I'm going to have to go look for Circle Squared because I think that concept is really cool. 
And while we're talking about stuff to watch for NWA, last thing there is they they've announced their first pay-per-view post the debut of NWA Power, the, the weekly show. And that pay-per-view is NWA Into the Fire. Um, I do have a date on that. It's December 14th. And right now, there isn't a whole lot confirmed. Um, the only thing we know for sure, because he's the champion and he's on the poster, is Nick Aldis, the real world's champ. Nick Aldis is uh, going to be on, is going to be wrestling that night. Um, if you've watched the show, you can I can tell you that it's very likely we're also going to be getting a Colt Cabana match as he's on the national title. Money's on um, that being James Storm. We're going to be doing um, something with the tag belts. Uh, it's been a big part of their show. Um, the tag belts are currently on the wild cards, uh, who are, uh, by the way, recognizable wrestlers. One uh, Thomas Latimer's in that. He was Bram with WWE. And then... Um, things shaking out i'd imagine we'd also see eli drake who by the way is killing it there out of everybody in nwa right now i think the guy that's helped himself the most is eli drake and, and he's, go, he's going places not only there but you know if he ever gets gets elsewhere he'll be doing things there as well but he should be on that card ricky stroke daddy starks who uh I, you know, I'd like to think I know what Stroke Daddy means, but if anyone else has some ideas, I could be wrong. You let me know. But uh, he has some potential, Ricky Starks, that is. And and, and Starks could, could do some big things. Um, he seems to be their top prospect, so to speak, like like the, the young guy they're the highest on. Um, for instance, he's already beaten uh, their returning Aaron Stevens or Damian Sandow. So definitely somebody that NWA is high on. And, you know, by extension, we should probably be paying attention to all right guys so that was it that was the first episode of the undercard uh where your botched finished podcast hosts are going to be going through the world of wrestling outside of aew and wwe um, as always, please like, comment, review, rate, um, any of your feedback. We love, honestly, getting to interact with other wrestling fans around the world is the best part about this gig. So if you have anything at all, please don't be shy. You can get at the podcast. Our Twitter handle is at botched underscore finish. Uh, mine is at Rob Lopaki. That's at R-O-B-L-O-P-A-K-I. Um, any questions you want to answer or want answered on the show, anything I should watch or you want opinions on, don't be shy, dude. We love it. In the meantime, uh, keep an eye out this weekend for the other two weekly shows coming your way. Um, not only do we do the undercard every week, but we're also going to be doing the getting over going under, which is kind of a look at uh, recent storylines or wrestlers or something that's really working and stuff that's really falling flat for instance bobby lashley and lana would probably be on that this week <laughs> um and then uh, we have the big show at the end of the week that's the go home show um that's where we're gonna take the biggest stories in wrestling each week and um we'll kind of dive into them we're, we're gonna give you some more in-depth analysis it's not gonna be a um you know a superficial this is what happened it, it'll really be more of a of a deeper conversation. So look forward to that. Um, I thank you for your time now. And, uh, you know, as always, thanks for listening, man. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.